The Minnesota Vikings released an unofficial depth chart on Monday, and it is full of lies. Your favorite team is lying to you, and we need to uncover the truth. It's the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, Luke Braun, and let's find some joy today. should be easy to find joy because today is Twitter Tuesday, so I'm answering your questions. But before we go into that, I got a little unofficial depth chart. Uh, I got a gripe with it, and that is that it is very wrong. Um, you can find wherever you find your favorite podcasts whether it is an audio listening platform or a podcasting app like Sirius XM or wherever you listen to your favorite shows as well as YouTube and Amazon Fire and Roku just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app and a special shout out to my hashtag everydayers those of you who do listen to the show every single day I appreciate you all so very much let's start out with this unofficial depth chart the Vikings released on Monday ahead of the coming preseason game with the Seahawks and it is very clearly the uh the way that camp opened it is not reflective of any of the changes that have been made over camp so anybody who started camp not with the ones and is with the ones now it's not listed that way so that gives us a really cool opportunity to kind of take stock of what has changed so let's go through it um at quarterback this there have been no changes Kirk Cousins Nick Mullins Jaron Hall pretty chalk at running back you have Alexander Madison and then you have your first lie of this uh of this depth chart which is it lists kenny wongu above ty chandler that is how otas started it has not been that way since they are splitting second team reps um and they're not splitting because kenny wong was hurt so ty chandler is probably getting ahead in that particular uh battle just because you can't make the club in the tub right and then of course d wayne mcbride then abram smith you have uh cj ham as fullback of course Wide receiver, they're doing this in 21 personnel, so there's only two, that means only two receivers are listed as quote-unquote starters. Those guys are Justin Jefferson and K.J. Osborne. I do think that is reflective of the depth chart right now, as much as we're all excited about Addison. I don't think he's taken over K.J. quite yet, and I think in a more practical sense, it's going to be more of a 2A, 2B thing, um, and Addison is listed as one of the next like primary quote-unquote backups. It's Jalen Naylor and Jordan Addison, and it's listed in like differently, like Kenny Wongwu and Ty Chandler. It's Kenny Wongwu, semicolon Ty Chandler. He is listed above Ty Chandler. Jalen Naylor and Jordan Addison, and then a semicolon. So they're listed together. It's an important distinction because it means that this unofficial depth chart is not implying that these guys are above one another they're next to one each other with one another and then Jalen Rager and Brandon Powell I do think that probably reflects how things started out and how things are going as well uh tight ends all chalk Hawkinson Oliver Munt Muse Ben Sims and Colin Thompson it's listed Sims over Thompson um that doesn't seem to be a bit of a fierce battle for maybe a practice squad slot or maybe you know a, a spot with a team that ends up needing a tight end in November <laughs> Tackles, again, very chalk. Christian Derrissaw and Brian O'Neill are your starters. Neither of them participated in teamwork. Um, Brian O'Neill did participate in a little bit, and he did some one-on-ones. Uh, so he's ramping his way back up. Christian Derrissaw went out during the one-on-ones. Uh, he didn't go in with a trainer or anything. He just kind of stood off to the side for the rest of practice, helmet in hand. So that 
implies a more minor injury. If it's something more major, they usually would take it in and start working on it right away. But it's not necessarily as that a, a more minor injury. It just sort of is usually that's how it looks. Um, so I, I don't think there's any reason to sound the alarm bells just yet, but we're certainly not out of the woods. However, backups, Vidarian Lowe and Oli Udo, that those two guys took the reps with the ones with the starting tackles out. So that that does seem to track there. With Blake Brandell moving to right guard and playing as the backup right guard. That's how they've been doing it all of camp as well. So that is kind of a day one thing. That is not a lie. Um, otherwise, the rest of the interior O-line is Chalk, Cleveland, Garrett Bradbury, uh, Ed Ingram, and then Josh Sokol at guard. He's moved out from center. He's now the backup left guard. And then Schlotman and Brandell with Chris Reed on NFI and, and some of the lower guys underneath him. Um, then you have... On defense, Daniel Hunter and Marcus Davenport with Pat Jones and DJ Wanham as their backups. That all does track. Pat Jones and DJ Wanham, I, I should mention, went from the O-line, D-line one-on-ones into the linebacker part, uh, in with the linebackers during seven-ons, seven-on-sevens. So they were kind of practicing their like zone drops and stuff. That, to me, is sort of implies that they are they, that these guys have made the team, that there's not going to be any big surprises with DJ Wanham or, or Pat Jones. And I wouldn't expect them anyways, because I think those guys have like pretty handily outplayed the, the Luigi Valans and Andre Carter, who looks really bad. Um, and I didn't expect much from Andre Carter, so don't freak out too much about that. He just doesn't look like he's in NFL shape yet, and it's been like six months. How could he be? Um, but, you know, that... Like, I agree with this, but it's also like, okay, nothing crazy is happening because they, the, the one-on-ones are a place to evaluate. Uh, the seven-on-seven practicing your zone drops, that's a place to prepare you. So that feels like you're preparing him for for the season. Um, in terms of the interior line, it's like listed weird again because it's base. And what's a nose tackle and what's an end? Like Harrison Phillips has played a lot of both. Kyrie Tonga has played a lot of both. Where do you list him? They list Kyrie's Tonga as a nose tackle and as the only starting nose tackle with TJ Smith and Calvin Avery as the backup nose tackles. And then as defensive ends, and this is the three, four version of defensive ends. Um, you have Dean Lowry and Harrison Phillips. So your starters, Lowry, Phillips, Tonga, that does track. And then Bullard has been rotating in a lot. And then it says, and Ross Blacklock, which I think is just false. He's more of a third teamer with Jaquel and Roy and Asezi Otomowo as more of the second teamers. Um, and they're listed behind Blacklock. So I think that has sort of, I think Blacklock has sunk the depth down the depth chart as time has gone on. And maybe the worst one is at inside linebacker where Brian Asamoah and Jordan Hicks are starting, but then you have Troy Dye and Troy Reader listed as the backups. That's not been true since day one of OTAs. Uh, Ivan Pace listed as a third teamer alongside William Quenku. That is simply false. Ivan Pace has played more with the first team than with the third team. Uh, and that's just something that has changed. It's again, we can just kind of go marvel at how far he has ascended. Um, cornerback wise, it's a little weird as well because they're, they're doing this in base. So that means only two corners. So that's Murphy and Evans. Those are your classic two corners when they're in base. And then it lists as backups, Andrew Booth and Joe Juan Williams. I would probably say Makai Blackman is above both of those guys, a, because he's been taking reps with the ones, but also with the twos, Makai Blackman played outside when Andrew Booth went down alongside Joe Juan Williams. Makai Blackman is listed as a three. I would call him closer to a one, but again, it's different. It probably would be different if they were listing things in nickel, or maybe it wouldn't. Maybe they would have listed Williams, Murphy, and Evans, because that's how it started day one. Um, everything else is chalk. Those are We've gone through all the lies. Harrison Smith and Bynum are the starters, and then it says Lewis Seen and Josh Metellus. I would say eh, that's kind of a minor lie, because Josh Metellus is very clearly above Lewis Seen on the depth chart, but this lists them together. Uh, and then you've got Greg Joseph over P J Jack Pod Lesney, which probably is true right now. 
but that competition is very much an active one. Um, I want to get to answering your questions and doing a few more camp updates. There's one other thing I meant to tell you. Oh, they uh, TJ Hawkinson is it's an illness and he was in pads on Monday and participated in the individual stuff and then went back into the trainer when it came time to do team stuff. So they're clearly they got a plan for him and they're kind of limiting him. And then with um, with the de- oh yeah with the depth chart they got Jacob Copeland from Maryland and he was at Florida he kind of had a weird time at Florida um where he he posted a lot on Instagram about not wanting to get targeted and targets and stuff and then he eventually transferred away it was a very bitter thing if you ask a Florida fan about him they probably don't like him um but he looked pretty quick honestly he looked better than Nikhil Harry who did not look good at all he's currently listed at kind of the bottom of the depth chart which makes sense as you just joined um but Either way, an interesting guy that might be able to push Thayer Thomas for a practice squad slot or something like that. Kind of interesting stuff. Um, but before I get into the uh, the Twitter Tuesday questions, I would like to talk to you a little bit about fantasy football. So Vinny Iyer of Locked On Fantasy Football has partnered with eBay Motors to give you some fantasy football advice every single week. Some guaranteed fit, eBay Motors guaranteed fits for each uh, week. So throughout the week, it'll be waiver wire pickups. But since we're beforehand, we can talk a lot about draft stuff. So how about a second year fantasy football receiver? That can be a very helpful thing, of, a, a, like a good value, because these guys that only have one year under their belt, sometimes people can overthink it and go, oh, are they a rookie fluke or something like that? But why don't you just pick Garrett Wilson? You know, I mean, he's a guaranteed fit with somebody like Aaron Rodgers for what he produced and accomplished with Zach Wilson and Mike White. Aaron Rodgers should be able to give that guy a little bit more juice um, and build on that, that rookie promise that he showed with the Jets. And that's what it's always about with fantasy football. It's about that guaranteed fit. And it's the same thing with your car. And eBay Motors understands that with eBay Guaranteed Fit, they have over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle right at your fingertips. Whether it's air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, whatever, eBay Motors has it. And they can make sure that it's the right fit for you and your car because every car needs different parts nowadays and it can be impossible to navigate the jungle of what fits what and is this compatible. eBay Motors has that covered for you. So you can stop sweating and know that you have exactly what you need for your car and you'll be set up for success from the get-go. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, everything your vehicle is calling for is just a click away. For parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for that green check. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Thanks again for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day each and every day. For those of you who do it every single day, I love you guys so much. Uh, it's time for some Q&A, all right? We, we've done some of the camp updates. We talked a little bit about it. Uh, we had, I'll, I'll tell you, at, at too, that Joan Williams had a really good day, had two picks, and could have had more. He was jumping routes really, really aggressively. So he must have been trying something today, and it looked like it worked. Maybe he cracked something. I don't know. Um, really great day for Joan Williams. Good day for Troy Dye who came in with the ones and actually made some plays, made lots of plays with the twos, really looked rangy sideline to sideline and broke on things quickly. Uh, and a very good day for Kyrie Tonga, who his hands are really quick. He had very quick and active hands. It was very, very cool. Um, some stuff for you to enjoy. But let's move into this Twitter Tuesday. We'll spend the rest of the show answering your questions. I know y'all love that. So let's... Start with Vikes Report, who says, predicting the running backs to make the roster. Um, 
Madison, Wangwu, Chandler, that feels like locks. I think Wangwu, as, as much as he's been hurt, unless he's got to start the year on the pup or something like that, um, but as much as he's like losing that RB2 battle, I think D. Wayne McBride hasn't quite made it seem like it's time to, you know, think about cutting Wangwu or something like that. And you got to remember Wangwu is still maybe the best kick returner in the league. And when you got a guy that's maybe the best at something in the league, you're not going to let it go just because you think the rules made that a little bit less valuable. Um, he's also, I mean, probably still RB3 on the team. And I think Abram Smith and I think Abram Smith is like practice squad at best. And then Dwayne McBride is, do you keep a fourth one or not? Um, School Actuary asks, is the best case for us in regards to the Packers that love is mediocre and consistently keeps them in seven to eight win range? I have a huge fear that they will use their first, their two first round picks picks to draft Caleb. Uh, what would have to happen to make the Packers move on from love? No, I don't think that's the best. I think the best case scenario is that he just abjectly sucks because they're stuck to him for two years. And two years of really bad quarterback play can do more damage than two years of mediocrity can. This is the argument I always make. You, you want to watch a team just be total suck for two years, right? Like, look at the the Vikings at 2010 and 2011. They were horrible for two years. They had one Adrian Peterson season um, in 2012 that sort of snuck them into a, a meaningless wildcard game that they were never had a shot in. And then 2013, 2014, they didn't really sniff anything for like a half a decade. And it, it, they went from 2009 to that because of two years of suck. Two years of suck does so much damage to your franchise because guess what? To suck, you have to not have any good players. Now you have to replace all your bad players. You got to replace everybody, all your players. So I would love the Packers to be in that situation where, crap, we have bad quarterback play. Um, I, like if he's just okay and they're good enough to win seven or eight games, which honestly, if Jordan Love is just okay, I don't think that that team is good enough to win seven or eight games. I think they need more from him than that. I think most Packers people agree. Um, that that's that's a team that that you kind of need the quarterback to do a lot. Uh, so if he is good enough to win seven or eight games, that means the Packers can probably build a little more around him and they probably have a future with love that they can go with. I don't want them to have that. I want them to have to move on and go, ah, crap, who's coming out in 2025, you know? And by the way, we've been awful for two years. That's what I want. And, and when it comes to it doesn't really matter where they finish in 2023. If they're going to use their first two picks on love, they probably can do it. And maybe they throw a player in that trade or something like that. But if they're truly motivated to do it, they can do it whether they draft 18th or fourth. They'll. It's just a matter of cost. So yeah, maybe you want them to win more games so it doesn't cost them as much to, or so it costs them more to get their quarterback, but that feels a little bit backwards. I would like them to just like not win games and then also not be able to win games later too. Um, Derek Morin says the Vikings offense is rightfully centered around their best player. I think Madison is a better fit than Cook. My question is about Thielen versus Addison. Seems that Thielen was asked to run routes that he wasn't as successful with. Will Addison be better in those routes slash role? I, that's the thesis, right? He will be asked to run the routes that Thielen ran, uh, in, you know, the digs over the middle and the, the ISO routes and stuff, the backside of a three by one where Justin Jefferson's getting all the attention. Um, that's the idea is that he'll be able to get past that. I think he might have some of the same problems with physical corners being able to kind of bully him. That was the way it was in college, at least. Um, and I'm super curious to watch that in the preseason game since he's been doing great in camp when you can't really be as physical because, uh, you know, you're not going to knock Jordan Addison over. You're not trying to hurt each other. But the Seahawks don't care about hurting the Vikings. The Vikings don't care about hurting the Seahawks. So they'll they'll do full speed in a way you can't really do in camp. And I'm curious to see that. But. I think right now it is trending toward yes, he will be better than than Thielen was last year at those at the at that role, and that's pretty exciting. 
Um, I will say the offense being centered around Justin Jefferson. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, it probably is. I, I, they're emphasizing the run game more, but I think they're emphasizing that in terms of the changing from one kind of run game to another, not necessarily devoting more resources toward it. Um, unless it, like they got one tight end, like that was that's not too significant. And they spent a first rounder on on Addison. Zachary Hayes says, "Is my worry of O line depth and thinking that bringing in Clowney is something they should do or not?" You need to work on your sentence structure, my friend. <laughs> you got distracted in the middle of your sentence. Happens to the best of us. Um, you're worried about O-line depth. I think the O-line depth is probably the one thing I have the fewest questions about. Daniil Hunter's Daniil Hunter. Marcus Davenport, he's playing all right. Um, he's, I haven't seen like a lot of him, so I don't have much to say about him because uh, he was hurt for a bunch of the time I was here. He's back now, though, so that's fine. But then you have Wanham and Patrick Jones. Uh, Patrick Jones looks like he's taken a step forward. Um, Wanham looks like he's still kind of the same guy. He plays very fast. But Patrick Jones looks like um, like he's making more plays. And they actually have talked about using him in a more versatile role. So I'm curious. I'm, I'm like excited to see what they have in store for him. But like beyond that, yeah, you don't really have guys competing with them. So if you're not happy with those guys, then yeah, I guess you could be worried. Um, but I'm not worried about those guys, so I'm okay with it. But yeah, I, I would not necessarily need to bring in Jadeveon Clowney because you need to upgrade upon Luigi Villan. You know, those guys just won't make the team. Villan might, but the rest of them, they just won't make the team. And then that's fine. Um, Addison goes Zoom. Uh, oh no i'm sorry man i'm not answering that uh <laughs> grill says some sources are comparing the secondary to the legion of boom please opine <laughs> all right i'm sure that is not a serious question but i'm going to take it absolutely seriously this is obviously not a very good comparison for one the legion of boom played cover three they played a zone defense so they didn't play the same defense um they didn't I, if i recall they did not blitz a whole lot the legion of boom didn't because they didn't have to they could get pressure with four pretty regularly and then the defense behind them could break on things and hit really hard and they've got a lot of hard hitters in the secondary and all that um but i also don't think that like caleb evans is not a hitter he's uh very much a playback and kind of click and close corner um byron murphy is is a he's a he's an off man corner i think um, they're going to play off man instead of like zone press zone. Like it's couldn't be more opposite. Uh, Chris asks an exercise of checking our work. How early, how do early Addison reviews compare to earlier reviews of Treadwell? Okay. Let me think about this. Um, give me a second to think about this, but we will continue talking more about the, uh, Minnesota Vikings and answering your questions on the locked on Vikings podcast. Moving right along with this Twitter Tuesday episode of the Locked on Vikings podcast. Uh, answering this question from Chris about comparing Addison reviews to early Treadwell reviews. Okay, the reason I had to think about that is because I wasn't covering the team in 2016. <laughs> so I don't, I didn't really have that. I don't remember that, but I was following it. And so if I remember from following it, there was a lot of hubbub about him being stuck with the threes and not really showing out, not really doing anything. And we're going, oh no, is he bad? Um, he was also still hurt. So there was talk about like, well, maybe he's just still a little hurt. Um, 
he because he, he had that really bad leg injury and he kind of still was coming off of that at the combine so we were still there was this idea that he yeah he ran a four six but he only ran a four six because he still wasn't healthy and then in camp you could still kind of say well he still wasn't healthy and i honestly don't think he was truly healthy till like his third year um and then I think he he sort of blossomed a little more, but by then so many other things had sort of gotten to him and messed with his career. But in terms of early returns, it's very, very different. Jordan Addison, for one, he's just playing with the first team. So that's something. But he's also like doing really well with the first team. He's given a Caleb Evans and Byron Murphy a lot of trouble. You know? uh, I think there are only three guys that are really giving consistent trouble to those guys, which are Jefferson, KJ Osborne, probably takes every other rep against him and Jordan Addison probably takes every other rep takes. Well, now he does better than that. I think he's doing better than Osborne in that regard. Uh, and then I think like Brandon Powell every once in a while, he's gotten a couple interesting ones on Byron Murphy, but not like he's hasn't consistently gone up against them. Um, so it's very, very different from what I remember of the Treadwell thing, but you might have to ask somebody who's been doing this longer. Uh, Shadow asks, oh, I love this one. A magic genie gives you the, the ability to increase any Vikings 40 time by 0.4 seconds. Who are you choosing? Okay. Um, Addison feels like a really good answer to this because he did not run a, an, an elite 40 and he's small. And if you look historically at all the receivers who are small, the ones who have worked out are uh, really, really fast. His, his speed is fine, but it's not good enough to on its own overcome his uh size so that was kind of the concern with him and my take on that was well he does come with his own solution to his size it's just not speed he's just it's the way he runs his routes makes up for his size very very well i explained that a lot uh you can watch a patreon video if you really want to go in depth and you're curious about that but that's kind of the the way like he runs routes in such a way to make up for his size and therefore i'm not too worried about his speed but if you take four seconds if you could take four tenths off that 40 and make him a speedster too whoo boy i don't think that dude's falling to 23 <laughs> um that would be immediately probably the best receiver or the the most highly touted receiver it'd be jackson smith and jigba but he could run right like jackson smith and jigba was the first uh wide receiver off the board but like despite his 40 times. So you could basically just leapfrog all those guys. He probably would have been long gone by the time the Vikings picked. Um, that would be interesting. I, I always think like, what if you just put the just absolute jets on Justin Jefferson? Let's just see how nuclear that gets. Right. Or, or KJ Osborne or something like that. But I think the answer I'm going to go with just because I think it'd be funny. is Kalon Barnes. He already ran a four, two, three. Let's see. Let's see what happens when a corner runs a four, one, nine. Let's do it. Let's just see what happens. <laughs> Um, red and purple asks, what does Justin Jefferson need to do in his career to be regarded higher than Randy Moss? That's a good question. Um, and I don't know if there's a non-controversial, I don't think there's a safe answer to this question. I think you're putting me in a dangerous place. I don't think that Jefferson will change the game like Moss did. And so you have to find a way to make up for that. Moss really changed defense. They, the cover two Tampa two boom of the aughts was Moss. That was people trying to figure out how to come up with how to, how to beat Moss and all the things that Moss did that then Terrell Owens started to do and all the other greats of that era. Um, especially, you know, you, teams realized if you had two really good receivers, I remember the one year they had uh, Chad Johnson and Terrell Owens in Cincinnati trying to do this. And if you had two, two amazing receivers, you have Moss and Carter, 
that they couldn't just double team one. Somebody had to be in single coverage. And then this idea of cover two and bracketing was kind of the, and being able to, to do Tampa two. So you weren't vulnerable up the seams and kind of fixing old school cover two. That was the Tony Dungy in the lab with the Buccaneers who had to play Moss twice a, a year at that time. Um, they, ch- he changed defense. I don't think JJ changes defense really, but that would maybe be the answer. He has to like do something so drastic where, you know, like I, I need to see Green Bay pick three corners in the first three rounds, like they did in 1999 after Randy Moss torched them. Um, like I, I need to see that kind of impact on the rest of the league. Barring that, in lieu of that, if he can, I mean, if he can be this the Super Bowl MVP, and the Vikings win a Super Bowl, then I think he becomes a, a bigger legacy, right? And and I think if if he like whatever team that is that that proverbial Vikings Super Bowl winning team, the legend of that team will grow beyond the legend of Tarkenton and the purple people and all the people who couldn't do it, right? And Carter Moss, all the people who failed to do it. If if a Vikings team does it, all of those players immediately they're the ones getting the statues. And I think that's appropriate, right? I mean, that's the championship. You think about you don't you don't think about you know 49ers teams that got to the Super Bowl. You think about Joe Montana and Jerry Rice. Um. That is, yeah, win the Super Bowl or change defense. I think that's going to be the way it is. And you know what? With JJ, I don't think either of those things are the craziest things to imagine. Uh, Eric the Red asks, I have not really kept up with the Vikings news all that well since the draft. Can you give me a short summary of what happened with the Vikings from May to August in the form of a limerick or a haiku? I'm not going to do a limerick or I'm not counting syllables live for you. So uh, you'll, you'll have to add, try another time. But, um, I'll try to keep it brief, haiku style, very descriptive. Um, hot days, minor injuries, lots of random signings. There you go. That's probably close enough. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Waka Waka asks, is there a difference in play style between Pace and Asamoah? Will Flores use them differently? I see them doing a lot of the same stuff. Um, and it, this might be, uh, pace is the backup to Asamoah. And if Asamoah goes down, then pace comes in and starts doing the exact same role. And then you have Troy Dye as the backup to Jordan Hicks. That is a sensical way to do this, but they've been rotating those. I mean, they've had those guys playing next to each other sometimes. So then you've got one at Mike and one at will, and those, those are different responsibilities. But in terms of play style, yeah, they're both, uh, they're both undersized evader blockers. Um, they're both very explosive downhill. They're both, um, I think more lauded for their ability and coverage than ability in the run, but their ability in the run has both of them have really found a way to read and explode and be able to kind of sneak through gaps and evade past guards that want to get their hands on them and stuff. Um, and, and done a really good job of that. So I, I it's really similar, I think, and in a really positive and exciting way. Um, should we be assessing Lewis scene like he's a rookie? asks Jordan Addison fan. What would realistic expectations look like for him as training camp progresses into the regular season? Seems clear that the top two safeties are still Harry and Bynum. Uh, yes, we should be assessing him as a rookie. His rookie season basically didn't happen. He learned a defense that we are not running anymore. He did four games trying to get acclimated to the NFL and then his leg blow, blew up. And then he spent the rest of the time rehabbing and learning nothing new and now he has to go back to year one. It is very much a rookie season for him. Um... So what do you expect in a rookie season? I want to see development. And here's the deal. He doesn't need to play over Harrison Smith, right? But Harrison Smith someday will leave and 
will probably be during Lewis Seen's rookie contract. So he needs to be ready for that. That's what I want to see from him. And I have moved those expectations down from, hey, man, I hope he could maybe overtake Josh Metellus. Maybe he can be good enough to do that. I don't think he is. And be, be as disappointed as you want about that. But I think that says more about Josh Metellus than it does about Seen. As, as much as I've, I've seen Lewis Seen kind of make mistakes and be slow to things, he's, he's, it's, he's developing. Um, and I'm willing to give him the time to develop, especially because we have the time to develop because we got Bynum and Metellus and Harrison Smith. That's a good group for a big nickel. Uh, that's a group that the Vikings are very excited about and you can kind of see it working in camp. Um, so put him in the incubator and we'll call on him when the old guy's gone. Let's see. Uh, 50 year Vikings fan asks, will the offense improve by practicing against an improving defense? Yeah, for sure. I think they're getting a lot of uh, blitz counters down. I think the Flores blitzes that he's been using will spread to the rest of the league because they're really, really good against some of the stuff that's really popular on offense. Um, so we'll see that around more and it'll be good to be prepared against that stuff. I think that helps. I think it helps too, because, you know, sacks happen, but you still do the rep. So it's not like, you know, sometimes the Zimmer defenses would, um, be so suffocating that the offense just couldn't even run a rep and then they couldn't practice. And they felt like some of those bad Zimmer offense years was like, like we kind of felt like we couldn't really prepare because the defense was doing so many exotic and crazy things. Like we don't really know how to handle cover three because we don't see it. Um, and I, I don't think it's that extreme. It's just, they're doing a lot of blitzes and then, you know, Harrison's taps Kirk cousins and then Kirk cousins throws the post. He was trying to practice anyways. Um, so I, I do think that the 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 offense will improve there uh, by facing a better unit. And, you know, iron does sharpen iron and rubber does not sharpen rubber when you're bad and do got two bad guys go against each other. You know, when Jaleel Johnson is going one V one on Dakota Dozier, nobody's benefiting. Um, let's see if I got I'll take like one more here. Um We'll go with Jay Jettis agent who asks main thing on offense and defense. You're looking for in the first preseason game this week. What a great way to end this. So in the preseason, I'm looking for the small guys. I'm looking for Brandon Powell, Jordan Addison, Ivan pace. These guys that have, that have played small. I'm really excited to look at the tackles too. And Udo and Vidarian low. I'm going to guess that Darison O'Neill don't play. Um, but it's, I'm excited to look at these small guys and see if they hold up to that physicality because Brandon Powell has been my star of camp. Maybe Ivan Pace has two. There's your offense and your defense star of camp. Both of those guys are small. And are is this a mirage because camp is not as physical as real games are? The preseason will give us a testing, a proving ground for that. And those two guys will play. And then the joint practices afterwards will as well. So I'm super stoked on that. That's what I'll mostly be work be looking for is, is the small guys. Um, and then, uh, you know, let's, let's see how often they blitz. I want to see how, what kind of blitzes Flores is willing to show in the preseason. Cause they're not going to play vanilla. He blitzes more than half the time. That's their base defense is a blitz. They base five man rush. That's just their normal. And if they're rushing four, then it, then they're prioritizing coverage on that rep. That's, um, so I'm curious to see what all that stuff looks like. And I'm just excited to go break down some tape again. Um, Tomorrow, there's one more practice. It'll be another night practice, so I'm excited to bring you the recaps of that. That'll be the last one I see in person, but we'll keep covering camp, of course, from uh, afar like I usually do. And then we get preseason games and all kinds of stuff, so very excited about all that. I will see you all for that, and as always, Skull.